Welcome to Not A Real Artist, a podcast by me, Iris Ritchie Cousins, and me, Tamara Sagadevan, discussing relatable creative topics with honesty, humour, and some swear words. Join us for this new episode in which we explore succeeding at art, what that means, and how to do it. We hope you enjoy the podcast. Tamara, succeed at art. Why did why did we go with that title for this episode? Why is it not how to succeed at art, like nice and simple and didactic? I would like to say because we were in a very clickbaity um, <laughs> frame of mind when we yeah. did this. <laughs> but I think the other reason is because of how you and I uh, view and define success, that it's kind of impossible not to succeed at art uh, when you view it the way we do. And I'm assuming we view it in similar ways. I yeah, I think you're there. right. Yes. And... I don't want to be tempted to make this episode like really short and like, okay, there's only one answer, but it makes me think about like, what is success? And you're saying like, okay, well, we all know how to succeed at art, but do we? I think it's impossible not to succeed at something when you are defining what success means. And and that's why I think I can say we can succeed at art. I think what you've just said is really mind-blowing because you're pointing at the difference between success as defined by something outside of yourself and success as defined by something inside yourself. And I feel like I am aware of this like modality. I have come across defining your own success, but I feel like for a very long part of my life, and it's still kind of also ingrained in me, it feels like the definition of success is not one that I make myself or not even one that I'm allowed to make myself. But, you know, if you are allowed to make it yourself and you are, and you do that, then it, kind of really simplifies things. But so can I ask you, did you always feel like, okay, I am in charge of my destiny. I define what success is like for me. Or did you come from, you know, a different point of view? As I I think I've mentioned before on one of the other episodes is I have the strong cultural influence on me and success to us is defined about where we stay geographically and also because of our history as a people. So success was very clearly defined by my community, which was good education, probably in the medical field, job, husband, kids, nice house, a car. Thankfully, my parents weren't as rigid in their in their views, and it was definitely a little bit more about like what makes you happy. I quickly fell into this this trap where I one of the signs of success is having a Mercedes Benz. I don't know if you are familiar <laughs> with that. And I quickly fell into that trap of of needing to have those things to be successful. But it, I would say it wasn't as bad as, as other people, like in my family or even in my community. And I know I'm comparing here, but that's just my view on it, yeah? But what happened is as time went on and I realized the importance of life and how short it was, my definitions of su- success had to change because I was just living this really unhappy, crap life. Yes, and we think that success will equal happiness and yeah. and then lo and behold it doesn't and then I think that might be the kind of the crisis point at which point you redefine success because as you grow up you kind of take it as a given that success equals happiness and then when you get there and success what you thought was success didn't equal happiness you're like okay I gotta look a little bit closer and understand what's going on here because the thing that I thought was the truth or the thing that I thought I was promised 
obviously is not materializing and it might do for some people, lucky them. But I think especially when you are not happy in just being kind of the norm, if if you're not happy being that thing which the rules are kind of built around, and I don't mean the rules, explicit written down rules, I mean like the rules that we all live by and have in our hearts, but don't really know where they come from, like society's rules, I guess, you know, the the outside view of what success is. And then when you realize it doesn't fit for you as a person, that's when you start redefining it and kind of, I guess, come to that kind of tentatively, carefully come to that conclusion that you need to define it for yourself. But that's difficult, I think. Yeah, you really have to be in touch with your values as a person. And sometimes when you're taught actually what your values are versus what you value as a person, mm. it's it's very difficult to sort out what other people view as important versus what you view as important. Yes, it gets very muddled. Yeah. It's not necessarily that you know, like, okay, because I think that there's... When I called it a crisis point earlier, I'm not kidding because it's, and it's not just a crisis point as in like, oh, I realized that I need to redefine success for myself. Now I'm going to do it. Done. Boom. You know, it's more like, it's also a lot of like negotiating, like, well, why? And am I crazy? Like, oh, this seems to be like the thing that everybody thinks that Mercedes Benz is like the the thing that you need and then you're successful or, but, but why is that not enough for me? Like, am I the crazy one? You know, why can't I just fit in? You know? <laughs> you know, for me, this, this crisis point, as you put it, it came when I was very young because I had to take care of my family when I was 17. Mm. So this really like changed my concept of what was important in life. Then it was important to just make sure that we had like food and we had a, we were safe. That was basically mm. my, my measure of success. And then it kind of got slightly, I don't know if this is the right word, but bastardized as, as time went on because then we weren't in survival mode anymore. Yeah. But uh, money was good. And uh, so was status and having authority mm. and all of these things. So sometimes it takes multiple <laughs> crisis points <laughs> for you to to remember your values. So can we so what is success to you now the non Mercedes Benz version uh not sponsored of success? <laughs> Whenever I uh examine a, a subject or think about it I really enjoy looking at the dictionary redefinition because English is so varied yeah it might be my native language but what success means might actually be totally different from my cultural or, or geographical experience. Success, I saw two things. One is the attainment of status, wealth, and fame. And then the other one is reaching a purpose, aim, or goal. And I, that really interested me. Oh, how interesting. Yeah, how interesting that the dictionary actually points at both of these things. Yeah. I didn't realize that. I thought that only the the first one yeah, would be the dictionary. Yeah. I think because we live in this world where, and I'm not trying, if there's any American person, I'm not trying to blame America here, but that's the culture we consumed on, on television. Yeah? yeah. So it's money, cars, these lovely big houses, which are really attractive. And um, the nuclear family as well, uh, the yeah. heterose heterosexual nuclear family. Absolutely. Uh, and the blonde hair and blue eyes. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's why so many of us identify with it in, in that way. So I was really excited to, to discover that, if you will, in the dictionary. And how mm. I define success for me right now in this stage of my life is having control of my time and where I put my energy 
And that is definitely I, some, something I do have. I mean, I'm not always in control, but it is a, it's, it's obviously in comparison to my past and it is completely different from what I used to have. So I do what I want when I want. That's my, that's my version of success. And just, just maybe put a distinction in there. I feel that there's different types of success. Like one is kind of more the deeper meaning of success. And the other one is like the trappings of success. Of course, I want to be a teacher, a successful teacher, but that's more a trapping of success. I think doing what I want when I want is definitely my deeper. Yeah, um, I get, I get what you're saying. How do you define your success? (laughs) Oh, I was afraid you were going to ask me that because I I think that I'm still very confused figuring out, negotiating the journey from an outside perspective on success, what I feel like success is kind of outside myself, what I think other people would define it as and something that I need to then kind of like adhere to or like tick the boxes and then I'll be successful. So I'm still really negotiating that thing that doesn't fit and then translating it into something that fits better for me. So what success is for me, I haven't really defined it yet. I'm kind of like feeling my way around and kind of living the experience and then kind of in hindsight saying like, okay, this is important to me. This isn't important to me. It doesn't feel like I've been able to kind of redefine it and then have a plan going forward. It's, I really need to experience it, do it wrong loads of times and then kind of figure it out. So more recently, I realized that I had an idea in my head of what success was that I wanted. I think that I was subconsciously looking for being an influencer on YouTube. Mm -hmm. So I think subconsciously I was working towards trying to get really big numbers, become an influencer, uh, that kind of thing. And when that wasn't working for me, as in like I wasn't getting the big numbers and I wasn't becoming the influencer that I thought I wanted to be or didn't even think I wanted to be. Like I realized in hindsight that that's what I was doing without even realizing it. So I hope that makes sense. Um, And then once, once it became apparent to me that I was doing that, it helped me or it allowed me to stop and think and ask myself, is that what I really want? Do I want to put my time into doing the right things on YouTube to get this result. And I realized, no, it's actually not. What I want to do is paint. And sure, I want to share it, but I don't want to become an influencer um, as an end goal. And it was a really kind of a mind-blowing experience because obviously I had to go through it. I had to do it wrong. Mm -hmm. I had to kind of like go down this path and at a certain point, look around myself and go like, oh, hang on, what am I doing on this path? This isn't the path I want to be going down uh, at all. Um, And I think in going through an experience like that, it helps me define what success is for me because I realized, oh, hang on, that ain't it. Gosh, what freedom. Now I can stop barking up that tree and try something else and see whether that feels any better. Yeah, that's kind of the, the the perspective that I'm coming at it from. So no clear cut, nicely wrapped up with a bow answer, but really just like the messy experience of uh, life and trying things and then seeing seeing where it feels good. Well, that's, that's really interesting to me because it's a different perspective, yeah, because mm. I have this idea in my mind that most people know where they want to go. You don't always end up where you want to go. 
But yeah. all those side quests kind of make up a final adventure. So you you might not get to where you wanted to, but you still had fun on the way. No, I, I think I think that we're clearly f- like very quickly figuring out that I am the person who has no fucking clue. <laughs> and I am just living life, hoping that stuff kind of becomes more clear as I go along. And I feel like you have a slightly different approach. And I think that's really interesting. So, um, well, yeah. When you say like you have no fucking idea, then I feel, shit, should I also have no fucking idea? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. I'm like the gold standard for like how you should do things in life. Whereas I feel like, oh my God, I'm such a failure because I don't know what I want. And I kind of feel like that goes back to like childhood when people ask you like, what do you want to be when you grow up? It's like, you are expected to know what you want all the time. And I'm like, I'm sure I've pretended very well in the past, but these days I'm like, I'm embracing the fact that I have no clue. I really don't know. And I'm learning to be comfortable in not knowing. That's, you know, that's what I contribute to the world. (laughs) You know, uh, that question was stressful for me too when I was growing up, but I really did. I I had a really cool dad and and a cool mom and I would say whatever I wanted. I want to be an archaeologist. I want to be, I would say stupid things too. The professional Um, banana peeler. Well, no, not that. But like, (laughs) I I would say like, uh, I want to pick up poop for a living. Mm -hmm. And my parents would just laugh because it was a big joke. And I was earning money just by the way from picking up poop. So don't don't laugh at it. Mm -hmm. So I never had that kind of pressure, really. I think maybe having that freedom to be whatever I want kind of allowed me to dream and then decide uh, what I wanted to do. And of course, I never dreamed that I would be an analyst because that was what I was before this. Yeah. Just all the stuff led me to it. But the amount of creativity that I gleaned from that job has been really important to what I'm doing now. And not just the creativity, just this permission to kind of redefine success. I kind of also got that from my last job because uh, we had to redefine what success meant in order to be successful as a business. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, that's what I gleaned from it. I just I think I'm, I'm still kind of processing what you said about how different we are because I always feel like this is my problem. I feel that everybody's like me, if not better than me. Um, so to hear number one, also that you don't think of yourself as an influencer, that's quite jarring because you have influenced the F out of me. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, but that's much more meaningful, right? Like <laughs> I, I feel like, you know, again, with double definitions of of the same word, but like having influence over people near me, as in like, where you kind of like, where you're, I don't know, you're kind of into each other and influencing each other. I think that's cool. That's really beautiful. Whereas the kind of like being an influencer because you've got loads of following and that means that you can actually like control what people do by say think, that's a bit more scary actually. Whereas I think the interpersonal Uh, influence you know the way that we influence and are influenced by our nearest and dearest I think that's cool but I think we're getting a bit off track yeah um can we um can we um, make the conversation go round to maybe slightly more practical considerations about like I'm sure that people would want to be successful as an artist or a creative and so how what can we say what can we do in order to help people be their own version of success well if you've just tuned in define your success (laughs) (laughs) define your success first of all so give a few for instances so like what well here's here's a good example 
I was kind of in the similar social media thing as you, but obviously you have much more reach than I do. I'm, I think you're actually an influencer or micro-influencer. I don't know what the term is. Oh yeah, I like and that, micro-influencer. I'm just a user according to the terms. But I was utterly convinced that in order to be successful as an artist, I was going to have to get a big social media following so I could teach in the places that I wanted to. This was something that was really tripping me up and... When I was doing coaching with you, it was something that sometimes often came up, like your rules for social media engagement were really inspiring to me, but sometimes it was also stressing me out about what I needed to do on social media. And it eventually hit me, like I, and I know it's for another episode, probably, but I I don't really enjoy social media. Mm. And it was taking so much of my time and my efforts and my joy. And then I thought, why should I... Actually, what made me think that I need to be successful in this to actually get those those opportunities? Right. And I think it is kind of having some some daring when you when you define your your definition of success, have some daring to break the the rules. Yeah, and notice notice which rules you feel like you have to adhere to. Because obviously, like you're saying, like, okay, you felt like one of those pillars of success was having a big social media following, but maybe having that view when being on social media is not something that you enjoy and not something that awakens your life force to harken back to what you said before in episode one. Actually, by defining success in that way, you are hampering your own actual success. I think that sometimes, even though I'm not here to define what success is for anybody else. But I do sometimes think that it's good to hear examples because then you can go like, oh yeah, I hadn't thought of that. That fits for me. Or you can say like, "Mm, no, pass. One of the things for me that defines success is a consistent practice. And I don't mean showing up every day like, oh my God, we all have lives and things that happen. Like expecting of yourself that you can do something consistently every day is just, you know, blah. But I like to think of it as when I was weaning my kids. So when they were like six months to a one year old, what they tend to say is, you know, don't look at what your child eats in one meal time, but look at what they eat over the course of a week. And I've always taken that in because like weaning and like food with kids is like, it's it's shrouded in a lot of stress. But if you just think like, okay, if they have a balance over the course of a week, that is, you know, like they've had their nutrients, they've got the healthy stuff in, maybe some mealtimes they hardly ate anything and they threw everything on the floor. And then another mealtime, they're like gobbling everything up. Well, that's success. So that is and, and I think that's what I bring to my art. It's like, it doesn't matter what I do in any one day. It's more like during a whole week or like several weeks, have I showed up and done something that overall uh, pushes me forward in terms of, you know, where I want to go with my art that is then successful rather than, oh my God, I didn't do it today God, I've fallen off the wagon, I'm bad, that kind of stuff. So consistency over a period of time. Yeah, exactly. I I really like this weaning example. Yeah, and I also, I like what um, 
Roxanne Coble by Bun says when because she organizes the April Art Challenge and uh, she she does a few more challenges during the year and she always says like you know don't worry about you know what you do or how much you do or do it daily just you know if you even do one piece of art that's one more piece of art than you did before you started and I love that attitude and also. Um, I'm fairly sure I've mentioned Kaylee Gray, who is South African, by the way. And did you know that tomorrow is also South African? Um, Kaylee Gray says more than zero is enough. And I feel like, oh, that's it's amazing. And it's allowed me these types of attitudes and hearing about them, learning about them has allowed me to be so much more successful in my own eyes um, and create so much more art and feel good about it rather than feel like self-flagellating, like, oh, you didn't do it today. You know, it makes me. Yeah, it, it's really helped me. I am unable to do that in my own voice. How I am able to do it is by journaling from the perspective of a mother. And I I kind of talk to myself like how a mother would talk to their kid. Oh, I think that's beautiful. That really helps me to do it. It's not that I can do it all the time. Otherwise, I go the other route of self-flagellation. I love a good whooping. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Another way I would define success is also just painting as an artist, is painting what you want and not what the trends are or necessarily what the lesson... If you're in that phase of learning where you have to complete the lesson and it has to be exact, I'm with you, man. I understand. But you painting what you want when you want is, I think, the one of the reasons why you become, become an artist because nobody else can realize those thoughts and experiences in your head the way you can. So that is definitely a measure for success. I, I, I think that that reminds me some, of something that I saw recently on social media. So a, an artist called Michael Haftke, um, a New York artist, I think, he posted this. Um, he said, to please or not to please, there are three kinds of artworks today. One, art that is successful within the art collector community. Two, public art commissioned and paid for by government and corporations. And three, iconoclastic art of an independent artist. And the way that he spelled this out as three different things, um, and also with the kind of like the subtext of like, you can be successful within one of those defined subsets, but maybe not be successful at all within the other one. It, I found it mind blowing. And it's, um, it's about that, you know, choosing what you want to paint really comes into that because if you are really only choosing for yourself then you're in that third category mm -hmm. there isn't anything wrong with being in the first or the second category uh, but it feels less of a personal choice it feels more like a business choice and also a lot of luck is involved with those like whether you are successful within the art community collector community or in a kind of like public corporate sphere it Sure, you can create that type of success to a certain extent and influence it, but a lot of it is out of your hands. Whereas making art that is personally meaningful to you, that is means that you're painting or creating that thing that makes you excited and makes you feel like, yeah, this is what I'm supposed to be doing, that, you know, that can only come from within yourself and that is ir irrespective and unconnected to commercial success or whether people like your art. And I think sometimes that's so difficult to separate, so difficult to separate, especially for people like me who haven't got it figured out. How do I separate what I really want to do with 
whether somebody else likes it, whether, you know, whether somebody wants to buy it. Uh, and, and if you can figure out the former bit, like if you can really figure out what makes you tick, what you want to do, then, you know, then any success you get is nice, but it isn't necessary uh, to kind of feel like a success, if that makes sense. It does. And I just, I, I can't remember who said it, but this idea of, of painting something for yourself versus an audience um, I think I'm in a very privileged position where at the moment I can still not care whether people uh, like it or not or, or want. I do care. Don't get me wrong. But you you know what I mean? If somebody yeah. says, I'm never going to buy your stuff till death do us part. Okay, cool. Yeah. I'm in a privileged position. But if I wasn't and I needed people to buy and maybe this is a, money comes into success here. Uh, yeah. Somebody buying something. I don't know who it was, but they said one for me, one for them. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. and you make one for yourself, and then you make There's one a filmmaker. For your there was a, there was a filmmaker who did that. I don't remember who. <laughs> I'm really bad, as we've seen before, at remembering quotes and remembering who said them. So maybe that would be where the the happy medium uh, comes along. But when when I was thinking about this topic of of success, I was also thinking about comparison. Like comparison and success are quite interlinked for me. Mm, that's a really good point. T- t- tell me more. <laughs> well. I just want to be very clear. Like people say comparison is a thief of joy and mm. whatever else these people say about comparison. And it is when you're comparing yourself to the wrong person. But if I compare myself to somebody that is very similar to me or slightly better than me or who inspires me, mm-hmm. um, then it's a very healthy and strong motivator. And that's kind of like, I don't want to say a rudder, but uh, what else can you use for navigation? A compass. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a compass to to your success. And and so what is it? Because I think of myself, like when I think of the negative side of comparison, I, I'm I'm lucky in that I no longer compare my art to other people. I do sometimes see people's art. And I'm like, oh gosh, that's really nice. But I used to see it and I was like, oh, I wish I could paint like that. Or I wish my art was like that. I, I'm lucky that I've developed my practice in such a way that I am really happy with the art that I'm creating and I want to push that further, but I don't need it to be more like anyone else's. But what I do do sometimes, especially when I'm in a negative frame of mind, is I will compare my success to somebody else's success. And I hate the fact that I do that because it is very myopic. It's very like you're magnifying one thing uh, and you don't know any of the story around it. You're just kind of cherry picking the one thing that will make you feel terrible. (laughs) So how, um, how do you compare yourself to people in this positive way that you mentioned? One thing I do want to say, though, is like when you said it's myopic, is I really feel, besides you, who, as you mentioned, you're not humble, you're honest. Um, I don't, I can't off the top of my head think of many people who show their failures as well as their successes. For example, a time lapse is a good example. Yeah, time lapse is like a one minute thing when somebody's actually spent 60 minutes on it. And I don't think, we all know it's a time lapse. But nobody says, hey, it's a time lapse. It actually took me 60 minutes. Like that would be helpful. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying that's a failure, but I'm saying nobody's showing their failures. So when you're comparing yourself to someone else's success, mm. this is a dangerous game. You don't know what they edited. You, I edit about a hundred of um so's out of my vlogs every <sighs> time. So, you know, real yeah. talk. <laughs> let me, let, I'm not going to talk about the, the last podcast I edited. Um <laughs> But how there's an um to cut out. <laughs> how I com- how I compare healthily is 
I would see that somebody is more emotionally, in, in, in my view, emotionally articulate than I am. And I think I'm going to talk about another artist here, is Effie Wilde, is somebody that I really admire her. This is who I am. I'm flawed. Um, this is, I'm angry now. Yeah. Uh, I'm sad now. She I'm is okay such now. an, am- she's an amazing example of like, uh, sharing honest emotional truth um, yeah. and being kind of, you know, unapologetic about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think she's, she inspires me a lot. I can't, like, I can't always just say you're the one inspiring me, Iris. So just. <laughs> um, no, but... my head might get too big. <laughs> She's kind of one of my, I have like a triad of, of people I respect. It's kind of, you know, this maid, maiden, mother crone kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. And when I compare myself to Effie, and I'm not comparing in a negative way, I'm comparing mm-hmm. in, this is what I would love. I would love to be able to say on Facebook one day, you know what? You are all pissing me off. <laughs> but you're basically saying you see people you admire and you're like, I'll have some of that, please. Like more of that in my life, please. And it's kind of, yeah, like calling it in basically. Yeah. But also if I don't see it, like I'm never going to know. That's like, I've never met, I've never met a a woman like that before. Um, It's just, (laughs) this is not a a declaration of love or an offering of of a romantic relationship. But I mean, if if she listens and she's This is totally, this is totally a declaration of love. (laughs) Effie, we love you. Yeah, but if she's in, you know, okay, Effie, like, I mean, I am my partner. So um, <laughs> it's really good to kind of witness people like that. And, and those are the people that I look up to. Um, Tamara Laporte is another example. She is very free with her kindness and her compassion. And that was something I used to look down on before I got into this art space, because I thought it was a form of weakness, being so compassionate and kind and then I met this person and now I compare myself to this person and I'm like you know it's not gonna hurt to tell people I love you I love you Iris I love you Tamara (laughs) So, (laughs) so that's how I compare myself no it's like it takes courage actually in a harsh world to be soft like I'm sure I'm quoting this from some meme or some quote somewhere but like it, it it's very true so do we have any tips I do have tips, but I feel like I've missed out on, on an opportunity to ask you some questions. So if we circle back after our tips, is that going to be cool? Do we still have time? No, no. Ask ask me questions first. That's good. I'll try and be succinct. You said that you look back on your success and then you, you change or, or navigate course or understand accordingly. Can you maybe tell me what kind of like clues your success leaves to help you understand how you should change and navigate? Like, what is it that shows you or or tells you, hey, I've been successful here, here, and here. That's why I should behave like X, Y, and Z. I don't know. I think I'm actually very bad at recognizing my own success. But the thing that I am learning to do more is noticing when things feel easy because I think I grew up with this feeling of like success is hard. If you're working, it's hard. Work jobs are all kind of terrible and you do them as a necessary evil in order to then enjoy your free time. And because I came at it with that kind of point of view, it was very difficult to see lightness and ease as legitimate and as success because I always feel like if I'm suffering then I'm successful and it's a very unhealthy kind of 
truth to carry with you. So I have been learning to see success in when the work is light and easy. And by that, I don't mean not working hard. I work very hard, but there are certain things that I do, like, for example, doing this podcast with you, uh, when I make my vlogs, when I, I I can't think of any other examples right now, but there are so many things that I do where it just feels effortless and I can work for eight hours and feel like I still have energy left over. And I feel like realizing that that is available to me and that that is also constructive, that that is, that, that feeling isn't only when playing video games or watching Netflix, that the feeling of ease doesn't just uh, exist in escape. It also exists in hard work. Uh, that has been just like a mind blowing uh, realization and success for me. Okay. So some tips for people who uh, want to be successful in, in their practice. You've already defined what success means to you. Um, it's not a Ferrari it's painting every day. No, but realizing that it isn't a Ferrari is actually a really important step in being able to uh, define what your success is. And that would actually be my first tip. It's like, what measures of success are you carrying? Like, what, what definers of success are you carrying with you that are not actually your own? That's, I think that's the key part. That's not your own because... Dude, if you want to have a Ferrari and you want to paint whimsical faces, like, good for you. Yeah. But just make sure that Love it's your that own. Love that for you. I really want that for you. <laughs> I mean, not you, Tamara, but, like, the person who's listening to this and going, like, yeah, fuck yeah, whimsical faces in a Ferrari. Yeah, but I wish they could have seen that little dance that you did there. That was, <laughs> that was so cool. Oh. oh, God. I would say to set yourself, set yourself up for success in practical ways. So once you've defined what that means, yeah, it's an art practice every day, like just lower your barriers to entry wherever you can. Yeah, And that can be from something as little as um, making sure you, okay, this is not little, making sure you eat properly, something like that, or changing your paint water. And once you identify what that is, I think just for your art practice, that will be much easier. I, I want to say I learned that from you, but I just say that I learned everything from you. So Yeah, it's okay. I'll take full credit. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> for me, one of my practices that is key to success, and I've mentioned it before, is journaling. But I, sorry, pause for dog. I journal every single day and I do three A4 pages. And wow. I will not give it up for anyone. So <laughs> if you're listening, anyone, don't come at me. Um, <laughs> the reason I do that is because it makes makes me very clear about what's going on in my mind, my body, my world. It starts off whiny and I would I would hate for anybody to read like the first portion of my of my journaling. And then it goes into why and how. And then the last one is a little bit more, okay, so what are we going to do about this? Or you know what? We can't do anything about it. And I think I would suggest that to every single person in the world, if I could, it's not just about your creative practice, but it really does aid in creativity. Mm. And it reminds me of uh, one of the things that's really important to me, which is bridging the gap between not creating and creating. Because from like, it's easy to say, oh, just show up. Like, sure, we all know that. We all know that you need to show up. Like, and it seems like a bit of a facile advice to give because it doesn't 
acknowledge how hard it can be to show up. Mm. And so for me, a lot of my practice and a lot of my kind of like setting myself up for success is acknowledging how hard it is to go from zero to one. So to go from not creating to creating and then to do everything in my power to bridge that gap between not creating and creating. It's like once I'm creating, I can, you know, even if I just sat down for five minutes, I can then create for five hours. Like that's easy, but it's the getting it's getting to from zero to one. That yeah. is the hardest thing. So for me, it's about acknowledging that and then about having strategies of getting myself there. And like they, that involves cups of tea and, uh, you know, vlogging, vlogging is an accountability tool for me. So it's like, you know, find the things that allow you to go from zero to one. Would you, would you say, um, the things that like get you from zero to one, your ignition, would you say these are just a list of things that you do or is it more rituals? It's neither really, but okay. probably they could be described more like rituals rather than a tick list. Um, but my, my biggest discovery has been uh, that I need to acknowledge how far it is both emotionally and physically between my office and my art desk. It, there are literally three, three floors. It's like <sighs> the, the office is on the first floor, the uh, the art studio is on the third floor. There's a lot of stairs in between. It feels like an insurmountable obstacle. So whatever I can do to surmount that obstacle, is that even English? That That is it what is. I need to do. I was, my mouth felt open because I was literally complaining to myself this morning that to change my paint water, I have to walk to the bathroom and it's like 10 steps away. Yeah, my bathroom is also 10 steps away and it's and it's 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 often too much to ask. So my paint water is very dirty often. So I don't I apologize for for delving deeper into it. But how do you is it psyching yourself up or is it just like okay, this seems difficult? Like what what is it? No, actually so like? just to, to go back to this cup of tea. So I realized that my cup of tea is like the transitional object. So getting Tearing myself away from my computer and my desk is incredibly difficult. But if I make a cup of tea as a kind of like, it's like a little hop to a little island, and then I'm making that tea, and then I'm taking that cup of tea upstairs with me, it it's it really works. I don't know, it feels a bit magical, uh, and it definitely feels a bit like ritualistic and stuff, but it really works because it's bridging the gap, like a little thread between the one thing and the other thing rather than having like a kind of like like a caesura like a cut between like okay this is desk and this is art like the you know the if they had to be that separate then i probably would never get over there so i need my transitional object which is a cup of tea Okay, yeah, you like some people, it would be a train ride from, from work to home. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and the thing is, w once you've exposed something like that, the thing that you need, then sometimes you will find that you don't need it or you'll find that you didn't even use it, even though at first it was very important. But so, yeah, so you, you kind of like, first you've got to make things conscious before you can start ignoring them. Otherwise, your subconscious is just going to like keep you keep you standing still keep you subconscious yes <laughs> <laughs> i really like that and i i never viewed my journal my journaling as that but it ex is exactly what it is it's a vehicle from me waking up in the morning to getting on with my art practice yeah thank you for that clarity iris for that revelation <laughs> so i think we should wrap up 
Yeah, and, I think so. And I think also what we're going to do is we're going to uh, put together the key takeaways that we will share with you. And it's going to sound as if we were really super organized and as if there was like, you know, like 10 tips. I don't know if there's 10 tips. <laughs> Again, to hit on the, the same button. Why not? Uh, have you ever been in an elevator with me? No. So you can't tell people <laughs> what I do. If you define success for yourself and you define it in a way that is healthy and that matches your values, you most definitely are going to hit that success. So yeah. that that is why the title of this episode is accurate. Yeah. Succeed at art. Done. Boom. Mic drop. <laughs> yeah. So thank you everyone so much for being along this journey with us and for listening to this podcast. We really hope that you're getting a lot out of it and that, you know, you're nodding along or maybe you're not, maybe you're like, no, it's different for me. Uh, please, you know, reach out whether you agree or disagree. Like, let's just open up the conversation because I feel like that's what we're doing with this podcast, opening up the conversation kind of philosophically, practically about art, what it is to be an artist and to be a creative. If you did enjoy this podcast, please say nice things about us on social media, share it with your friends, uh, write a review, that kind of stuff. We would really appreciate it. And um, let's get into the key takeaways and we will see you soon. Here are your key takeaways. Number one. Define what success means to you by assessing whose idea of success you're subscribing to, examining if your values match the idea of success that you hold, healthily and cautiously comparing yourself to the right people, hearing other people's definition of success to broaden your ideas of what success means. Consider that success does not just mean fame, wealth and fortune. Number two. Success can be found both in perspective and retrospective thinking. Number three. Clues of success differ, but when something leaves you energised, it might be a clue. Number four. Consistent actions over a period of time is a healthier view of success. Number five. Our views on other successes can be myopic as we don't see their work and failures leading up to it. Number six. You can be fulfilled in your art practice and what you create, and commercial success can be a supplementary process to this experience rather than the main goal. And finally, number seven, setting yourself up for success can be physical actions like journaling, eating for energy, lowering barriers to entry, rituals or transitional activities or psychological ones such as acknowledging the vast space between zero and painting.